Hey everyone, this is True Crime at Lunchtime, hosted by Lindsay and Kayla. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kayla. And we're work besties who love true crime. This is a true crime podcast with 30-minute episodes that you can enjoy during your lunch break. So what's new with you this week? Do you have any like fun dinner plans coming up or um, are you going to order out any yummy food this weekend? I got to say, if you guys have a Blaze pizza by you, you need to hit up Blaze pizza. Oh, I love Blaze pizza. It is the best pizza I've ever had. The Krusty Krab pizza (laughs) is the pizza (laughs) for you and me. All right. So this week, it's my turn to go ahead and share my case. Lindsay, you think you're ready for this one? I am really, really excited. I'm not going to lie. When you told me about the case that you were doing, I cannot wait to hear it. So, okay, guys, it's time to pop last night's dinner leftovers into the microwave, and let's dig into the murder of Samantha Burns. All right, so hit me with three facts that I need to know about this case before we get started. All right, so first up, takes place in West Virginia. But it's southern West Virginia. Our last one was a little bit more north. This one's southern. Samantha was 19 when she disappeared. So she was literally still just a child, honestly, in my eyes. And she was a student at Marshall University. All right. Have you ever been to Marshall University? I have not. It's big. Have you ever seen the movie? We Are Marshall? (laughs) Yeah. I have not with all my West Virginia pride. That's embarrassing. And it has Matthew McConaughey in it. That's your I don't like him. Weekend. Also, Hayden Pantier is in that. Did you know that? I thought that was Remember the Titans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong football movie. <laughs> was that the one where he was blindsided? Samantha Burns was born on April 21st, 1983. Uh, she went by Sam or Sammy by her friends and family. She was a student at Marshall University at the time of her disappearance. She was studying to be an assistive physical therapist. She also held a job at the Huntington Mall where she worked at JCPenney's. Oh, I wonder if if that JCPenney's is still in business. If it's anything like my hometown ones, it's long gone. Yeah, yeah. My hometown one is gone too, so probably. They used to be popping back in the day though. Like Like my grandma... She always used to take me there. <laughs> well, in 2002, it was it was the department store, probably, in Huntington. And after Samantha had left the mall, she went to the Marshall University Courtyard Apartments, and she was visiting some friends there. And when she was about to leave, she made a call to her mom around 945, and this would be the last time that she was ever heard from. She was letting her mom know that she was coming home that night. That's so sad. And how far away did she live from those apartments. It was only about an hour away, so not a long drive at all. And to better understand Samantha's story, I have to introduce you to the two fools of this story, and they are Brandon Basham and Chad Folks. And Brandon was currently, at the time, he was in prison in Kentucky at the Hopkins County Detention Center, and he was there for a felony forgery charge, which, felony forgery, not not good, good, but not as bad as Folks. And Folks was actually Basham's cellmate in 2002 in October. 
And Chad was in there for a first degree abuse of a child charge. Oh no, I hate to hear it. It's the worst. Absolutely disgusting. And that is like the worst thing you can do, honestly, like next to murdering somebody, which we'll get there. We Um, will get there, I'm sure. So you're on the list, Chad. And then this is going to lead us about a month later. So this was November 4th of 2002. So the besties have been chilling in prison for about a month together. And they decided they were going to have this master plan that they were going to escape prison. Escape prison. They were going to escape Bashman folks. They created this plan to escape and they actually succeeded at it. These two dumbasses escaped prison together. They had scaled a wall in the recreation center and they left on foot. And then that'll lead us into November 5th of 2002. And that's when they actually made it into Hanson, Kentucky. And this is where the crime spree really started to begin um, after they had escaped from prison, not before. (laughs) And they were already in for committing crimes and they've committed another crime by escaping from prison. So that's another And now they're going to commit another crime, which I'll get into. And it's just going to be a whole cycle for them. It started with James Hawkins. So what had happened was Basham went to the door of Hawkins' house and he asked to use the phone and he gave the angel an excuse that their car had broken down. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not happening. No one's coming in. You're not catching me opening my door for anybody. You better show the receipt, sis, because I want to see the broken down car and I want to see your little friend, too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not letting anyone to my house. Because we know you're not by yourself. There, Brandon. We know you're not. We know you were up to something. Um, so Hawkins actually let him in and he made two phone calls. And after that, Bastion was just kind of walking around, and then Hawkins agreed to drive him to a convenience store nearby. Probably, I'm assuming, to find some things to try to fix their car, or maybe for I don't know, another phone or something. I don't know what they were going there for, <laughs> or for some gas. Um, so they left the house, and this is when Chad decides he's going to join them, and they got into Hawkins car together and it was in the car that bashman folks kept changing the location of the direction of the car to keep hawkins driving the whole time and then the entire time brandon was actually holding hawkins at knife point the whole time that is so scary and it gets even scarier because then folks took over the wheel and he drove into a field and it was at this field <laughs> that Hawkins was tied to a tree and he was basically left for dead by these two. What a traumatic evening for him. He had to had no way of thinking that his evening was going to go like this. He was just at home minding his own business. That's so scary. He was just trying to be a nice guy and trying to help these guys out um, just by giving them a ride. And of course, they have to be a bunch of assholes. So it was after... 15 hours that Hawkins had freed himself from the tree and he reported what had happened to the police, which I hope everybody who's ever been in a crime situation, I hope you go to the police right away. And he picked out folks in fashion right away as the two men that kidnapped him. There was no doubt in his mind that he knew it was these two. And right after tying him to the tree, Basham and Folks decided that they were going to take Hawkins' car and they were going to go to Portage, Indiana to visit one of Folks' ex-girlfriends. And her name was Tina Severance, I believe her last name was. Folks and Basham left Hawkins' truck and they walked to the trailer that Tina had with her friend Andrea. And while they were in Indiana, Folks had asked Tina if he knew anybody that could give him some firearms. Oh, well, you know what, Kayla? You know what is probably not a good idea? 
for these two to have firearms. Bingo. Especially when they have a life of crime, Tina and Andrea. What were you thinking? I mean, you have to wonder if they knew that they were in prison prior or, you know, if they were wondering why they're out, if they did know. I mean, it just is really a lot, makes me wonder a lot of if they knew and, you know, what they knew. Well, she was his ex-girlfriend. So she had to have known, like, his behaviors prior. Yeah. And it was then um, that Tina decided she knew a guy named Robert who had several firearms in his home. And Tina and Andrea actually lured Robert out of the home. And they took him for breakfast, which, very nice of the gals to take him out for breakfast. I wonder if they went to Denny's. I wonder if they were grand slamming at Denny's. (laughs) I really hope that Robert had a good breakfast there because... um, at, back at his home, folks and Basham broke into his home and they stole the goods. Oh, gosh. And then the whole crew got back together again after the plan was done and they were going to Sturgis, Michigan. Hmm. What took them to Michigan? And it was November 8th of 2002 that Basham and Andrea stayed in a motel in Sturgis, Michigan. And they were actually an item at the time. Oh, Okay. We love to see a couple and a romance blossoming on a crime spree. Absolutely. Folks and Tina, they took her band to Goshen, Indiana, and they were going to his brother's house, and they were going to do some drugs. They went there to do drugs. Huh. Well, that's interesting. And it was back in Michigan that the co- there were cops actually knocking on the doors at the motel that they were staying at, and Basham had a gun ready in the room. But thankfully, the cops didn't knock on the door of his room. They actually stopped and turned around and just ended their search before they got to his room. I just wonder if they would have knocked on the door. You know, what would have happened? I I feel like we know what would have happened. Yeah, I'm glad that, you know, they were safe and everyone was okay. I'm glad they were safe, but it kind of makes me sad, too, that, like, they were that the, close. These dirtbags weren't arrested. Yeah. Way, yeah. Or at least one of them wasn't way mm-hmm. in the beginning. Because I don't think then folks ever would have continued on without his bro with him it was november 9th they returned and then they decided they were going to take tina's van to go to goshen indiana where his brother lived they all went this time so it was basham folks tina and andrea that went to visit his brother yes okay they were already there and then they drove back to pick them up and then they left again Hmm. there's a lot of back and forth coming up here i'm not exactly sure why They decided to go that route, but they did. And then it was November 10th of 2002 that they drove Tina's van to Piketon, Ohio. And this is where they bought some camo clothes. They stole a purse and a cell phone from the Walmart parking lot. And I'll say Walmart is something that is also reoccurring in this story. They loved the Walmart. That's something that we do have in common because I love Walmart. What about you? I do love Walmart. I'm more of a Target gal myself. But I do frequent the Walmart, too. The Pioneer Woman stuff. If you guys know, you know. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) And it was in Ohio that they once again rented a hotel room, which I wonder where they're getting all the money for these hotel rooms. And then the girls were there by themselves until the morning of November 12th. And then when we come back around, I think you know what happened the day before on November 11th. It sounds like we're seeing quite a pattern of behavior and the crimes that are taking place. And then what had happened in between this time? 
It was November 11th when Samantha went missing from the JCPenney's after she was visiting some of her friends. And it was November 12th, and this was in the morning. And at this time, folks in Basham were not back yet at the hotel with Tina and Andrea. And it was three miles outside of Huntington, West Virginia, that Samantha's car was found burning. But Samantha was nowhere to be found. Oh, no. That's such a, a terrible twist to the story. I mean, in a way, I'm kind of thankful. Like, they didn't find her burning in there. but Yeah, absolutely. But in a way, then there's no semblance of closure because it's like her car's burning. But, but where, where is, is Samantha? Where like, is Samantha? what... What even made this happen? I mean, most people don't go burning their cars by themselves and being nowhere near. So at at any point have, in the investigation at this point, have they put together that it could possibly be these two that had escaped from prison um, one state over? They had put it together, I feel, when they started knocking on the hotel doors and people had seen them previously. Um, but sadly, they were literally just a few doors away and didn't catch them yet. But they were putting it together. Okay. And they they really do start putting it together, especially when the crime spree continues. And Samantha, she drove a 1999 Chevy Cavalier. That's so funny. I actually drove a Cavalier. Um, what color did you say hers was? Hers was burgundy. Oh, mine was purple. And that was my first car as well. And it was a 1999 and it was red. And his name was Connor, by the way. He was my first car. I don't remember my car's name. But. And it was in the morning of November 12th that folks in Basham had come back. They also had some stolen money, um, which we'll find out later where that stolen money had come from. And this is when the crew decides that they're going to drive to Little River, South Carolina. And they also got a motel room there, I'm assuming with probably some of the stolen money that they had. And then November 13th, um, based on the source I'd read, it was kind of a more quiet day. Um, they weren't really going out much. They were kind of just, I would say, in like their quiet period. And then it was November 14th of 2002 that they decide they're going to go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which we love a good hangout spot. We love a good beach moment. I love Myrtle Beach. And it was the girls. They stayed at the motel while the boys were spending some time looking for firearms again. Did they not have enough from the first time? I guess not. Or they must be losing them and leaving them everywhere they go because they have stolen so many firearms at this point. I'm not exactly sure the number, but it is up there. And... Fashion and folks planned to burglarize the home of Sam Jordan, and this was in Conway, South Carolina. And Sam's father, Carl, was actually pulling up to the house as they were leaving. Oh, no. So did they get away with the firearms? Well, Carl did try to stop them, um, but the boys rammed into his car. They fired shots at him, and he still attempted to flee. He tried to leave, like, just to let them go. He attempted to flee, and the men still followed him and continued firing shots at him, and they shattered his back window. But eventually, I guess they got bored, and they decided that they were going to go to Walmart then. (laughs) Back to Walmart. They went to Walmart again, and they left Tina's van, and they stole a truck from Walmart. Hmm. So not only that, but they were also in Tina's van. I'm sure she was real happy. Oh, because Tina wasn't with them, right? Tina wasn't with them. She was back in the hotel room with Andrea, and he just ran into Carl's car. Well, property damage to the list, too. And it was when they went to this Walmart 
that the two decided that they were going to leave in Alice Donovan's blue BMW. And Alice was actually the second victim or the third victim of these horrible people. And she was never seen again after she left this Walmart. They'd left in her car. Folks and Basham, they took Alice's BMW and they completely left the girls behind. <laughs> they decided to ditch them. <laughs> oh no. So what was what were they gonna do? Well, Tina decided she was gonna file her van missing with the police. Oh, good. Okay. And then at least now they have started they're starting to see you know some leads and some oh there's definitely a pattern there (laughs) for sure and it was november 15th of 2002 that bashman folks they drove to folks friends home in huntington west virginia and this was beth um and she decided to let them stay in her home how many friends do these people have i'm amazed they have any friends honestly because they're a bunch of scumbags well and also to be fair they didn't know each other prior no, they were only budding in jail for about a month. Yeah, so they probably had a lot of friends separately. Yeah, and this was this was Folk's friend. And when they were at her house, they decided to share some cocaine. And Basham and Beth had a short-lived fling, too. Oh, well, you know, sharing is caring. He was moving on quite quickly. Sorry, Andrea, but your man moved on quite quickly there. This was the thing that really cemented that they were in on Samantha's disappearance because Basham actually gave Beth a heart-shaped ring and it was later found out that this belonged to Samantha. Oh no. And you can look up, there's pictures of her wearing this heart-shaped ring. And I'll post that on our Instagram as well. And I just hate that. Like he literally stole it from her and then gives it to his girlfriend that he's been with for a day. It was on November 16th that there was some news coverage going on about Samantha's disappearance. And Beth had said, um, she's likely dead. And that's when folks stated, she is dead. Why would she say that, though? Don't you think that's kind of weird? Like, when I watch the news and see missing people, you know. I don't assume that. I try to assume the best in things. And also, if I committed a crime, I never would. But I wouldn't just be like, oh, yeah, she's dead. Like, I did it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what? Like, what were you thinking? I mean, I think it's clear, Kayla, that they were not thinking, that no one in this scenario was thinking during this time. And I'll give Beth credit. Maybe she didn't know what they had done before. Maybe she didn't know it was them or about their past at all. But if somebody looked at me and said she is dead, I'd be like, get the hell out of my house. I wouldn't keep them there. Yeah, you would at least question, like, why would you say that? That's such a disturbing thing to say. Like, I feel like you would at least have something, um, you know, to say about that if that you heard that. And this is when the FBI and the police were all on this case. And they've really started connecting everything back to them. All the crimes between Samantha and then Alice's disappearance and Hawkins being tied to the tree. Because there was all that, all that similarity in that somebody was carjacked. They were held, I'm assuming probably at knife point, gun point. Um, There was money stolen. And then their car was also always gone or damaged in some kind of way. And the police had actually interviewed Tina. And she said, yeah, they fled the area. She doesn't know where they were. Because, sadly, they ditched her. (laughs) They ditched her and Andrea. That makes sense. And then things really start heating up here. On November 17th, 
And this is when um, Basham and Folks and Beth, they were smoking some Mary Jane. They were having a good old time. And they told Beth that they were going to go to Arizona. Hmm. What was in Arizona, though? I am not sure what was in Arizona. I'm assuming they just wanted to flee. Maybe there was another friend there. I'm sure there was another friend at this rate. (laughs) And on the way um, to Arizona, they stopped by another Walmart. Another Walmart. And this this one was in Kentucky, though. And this is where Brandon Basham really messes up. Why would they go back to Kentucky? I have no... Why would they go to a Walmart? I feel like every Walmart in the area has to have strong surveillance on these two. If you see people coming in and buying camo, they're looking for firearms. They're stealing cars in the parking lot. They're robbing people. Um, We have your guys right here. Um, so Basham went up to a car and there was a mother and daughter inside of this car. Um, he pointed a gun at them and he asked for directions. But he fled pretty quickly when he realized that the daughter was on her phone. So this was in 2002. So I'm actually pretty impressed that they had cell phones, you know, like that. I mean, I had a cell phone in 2002, probably. I feel so bad that I picture like a brick phone, like the Zach Morris phone. But I know that's not what the phones were like. They were more like the sliding ones, weren't they? Let's Google a cell phone in 2002. And I'll post this on our Instagram as well. Yeah, I'm curious. You know how old I was in 2002? Probably pretty young. I was five (laughs) in 2002. I was 12, so. (laughs) Um, That's what the cell phones looked like. So you weren't that far off. I mean, in a way, they're kind of. So I had that one right there, the Nokia. Oh, the Nokia. Oh, my goodness. I do know what a Nokia phone is. Like, I've heard of them. I was... I was not in my prime to be able to own one, though. No. The no. razors were big when I first was able to get a cell phone. I didn't have one. I had a track phone. I had a track phone. had a razor. I evolved with the phones, with the cell phone. And this mother-daughter duo might be two of my favorite players in this story, honestly, because they decided, yeah, we're calling the police. Like, they did not mess around at all. They're like, yep, we got the phone here. We're calling this guy out because he is doing some sketchy shit around in this Walmart. And an Ashland police officer, Matt Davis, he was informed of what occurred. And he actually saw Basham when he was trying to escape. So he exited his car and he was going up to speak to him, you know, as police do. And probably arrest him, honestly. Um, When Basham began to flee, um, he shot at Davis and Davis called for backup. And then Basham was eventually surrounded and he was arrested. And then this is another reason why he majorly effed up because he had a knife on him which was later linked to alice donovan oh no that's like that's that's awful and i feel like they're keeping like momentums or trophies somehow because they had samantha's ring she kept the knife from alice i don't know it's just it gives me freaky vibes yeah and then on top of that he also had a crack pipe Oh, okay. Well, you never know when the opportunity will arise. Yeah, honestly, I mean, you can just visit your friends in a different state and you're just there doing it. <laughs> I wonder if he had a friend in every state. I want to know. Do you have a friend in every state, do you think? I barely have friends in the state I live in. <laughs> I have, like, one friend in the state. It's me. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's me. 
our favorite criminal, folks, he was back at Beth's house. She was the one that took them in. And he decided he was going to take Alice's BMW to his brother's house in Goshen, Indiana. And, and it was on his way there that he decided he was going to stop in a rest area in Ohio when an officer recognized the stolen vehicle. Well, you don't say. If you're going to leave, why in the hell would you take her car? He saw that Basham had gotten arrested, by the way. He saw that. <laughs> so he already knew that Basham got arrested. He took Alice's car trying to make a getaway. Yeah, because his friend literally had a knife belonging to Alice in his possession when he was arrested. Just a series of very, very poor decisions. We've already made that very clear, but they just keep getting worse. They just keep digging themselves deeper and deeper into this hole. Well, they're really going to dig themselves deeper. Well, folks is in particular... Because when that officer went up to Folks, he decided he was stepping on it and he was going 130 miles per hour and he somehow got away from police again. So he tried to pull an OJ. He really did try to pull an OJ, but sadly in Kentucky, I or this was in Ohio, they didn't have the helicopters flying above. Right. Okay. And he was in a BMW. And he, he did manage to escape. Is that what you're saying? He did. He got away. Again. <sighs> How many times is this guy going to evade police? On November 20th of 2002, I forgot to mention our favorite guy, Folks. He decided he was going to go back to his brother's house. And he, his brother, and his girlfriend went to hide Alice's BMW. And this was the same one that he had the 30 mile per hour chase in and everything like that. Um, But police were luckily staking out the house and our dude was arrested. Okay, good. So we're we're finally getting some justice here, which is, you love to see it. They're finally back where they truly belong. Absolutely. And they're not in the same jail, are they? No, they point? are not. Okay, that's also good. Because they are not together. They are a bad news pair. They do not need to be communicating. They are roomies no more. And then a little bit of a jump in time here. In December, on December 17th of 2002, they were both charged with the disappearance of Alice Donovan about two weeks after their grand escape that Basham was interviewed for the first time and it was during this interview that Basham said and folks got the girl in West Virginia too oh no so this is the first time I mean they felt some connections along the way but this is the first time that they're really putting the piece together that these two that had escaped from prison in Kentucky are responsible for the disappearance of Samantha. Yep, this was the first time that they really put it together. And then the story really comes together on what had happened to Samantha a little bit later. But Basham does give police a little bit more. Um, He does say that Samantha's fate was learned on November 26th of 2002. Um, Basham said that he and folks rolled her body into the Guy and Dot River. And this was near Huntington, West Virginia. So not even far from where she went missing. Nope, not at all. That is so sad. It's a really heartbreaking. And then in June of 2003, so this was a little bit before that trial had begun, 
They were charged with the carjacking that resulted in Samantha's murder. But not her actual murder. Not her actual murder. It was the carjacking that resulted in her murder. And this is based on the testimony that um, Basham gave. A lot of the information I got was from a court transcript of this case. And a lot of people assume that they carjacked Samantha, held her at gunpoint, and they drove her car while she was being held at gunpoint to several ATMs to collect some money from her. And then we do know that she was ultimately um, killed. And then they rolled her in the river. And they set her car on fire. So what was so different about this crime, it seems like, in their other crimes, they did not set the car on fire. I mean, this was... Every time it was a little different because they took his truck, tied him to a tree. Samantha, they they made her drive around, took her money. And that was similar to Alice, too. They did the same thing. And both women were ultimately killed, but they took Alice's car, but they burned Samantha's car. I don't... Yeah, that doesn't That's make something sense. I've never understood. Um, and if anybody does know, I'd love to know. <laughs> the best thing that I felt could have happened... It was November 2nd of 2004. It was in Kentucky that they were sentenced to death. I didn't realize that Kentucky had the death penalty. I didn't either. And folks, he he actually pled guilty and he was sentenced to death too. And this was in the disappearance of Alice Donovan. This wasn't even Samantha's yet. So you already know they're going in with death penalty. Yeah. It wasn't until July of 2005 that Basham and Folks both pled guilty to the carjacking that resulted in Samantha's death. And that's really where our story ends for Samantha. They still have not found her body. Folks has tried many times to lead them to where they think she might be, but each time it's turned up empty. Um, In January 2009, for Alice's family, they did find a bone fragment but Samantha, um, they still have not found anything. It is truly a senseless crime. It's absolutely and, so upsetting. And honestly, it could have been anybody. Yeah. Any of these three people, um, Hawkins and Samantha and Alice, it could have been anybody that they targeted. They just decided to target these people. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it is so messed up. That these two that are already in there for crimes that are despicable to begin with, especially you folks, I'm looking at you, that is despicable. But then you come out and you do this on top of it and just kind of ruin even more lives than you've already probably ruined. Yeah. And it's so upsetting that while they do have the closure, the Burns family has the closure of knowing that there's that knowing that, you know, she has passed away, that they don't have what they would truly need to be able to have full closure. And that would be the remains to have a proper burial and to, you know, say their goodbyes. And we can only assume what happened based on their testimonies. We don't actually know exactly how everything went down. We can only just assume that she was held at gunpoint. They took her car around, they wanted money. And then somehow in there, we don't know what happens between there and her death really. Because they never really explained it. Um, we can- you can be pen pals with folks, by the way. He's very responsive. You should have wrote him to see what he had oh, to say. Oh, hell no. <laughs> he don't deserve my time of day. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, maybe him and Michelle Michael from the first episode. Oh, can be pen pals. 
So Lindsay, I know this was my case and I know it was, it was a bit of a roller coaster. Honestly, there's a lot of timelines in this one, a lot of States, a lot of going back and forth, you know, for some drugs and seeing family and friends that we have all over, lots of friends, all over the States. <laughs> How do you feel about it? I'm really feel kind of just defeated. Honestly, that's kind of how I feel with a lot of these crimes that don't have that true resolution where the families don't receive the closure that they deserve. Um, I feel like this family, I couldn't imagine what they've been through. It's been 20 years. And this is the exact type of case that we want to talk about is the case that needs to reignite that flame and to, to keep talking about it and keep giving these voiceless victims a platform to stand on. I was just going to say that that's a real reason why this case really drew me in was because I just want her to be found so badly. And I didn't see a lot about this case. I didn't know anything about it until I started really looking up West Virginia cases. And I feel like I just wanted to shed a light on how great Samantha was and just how, how things just happen at like literally the turn of a hat, like just how quickly you can just be going from your normal day to all of a sudden these two douchebags come up and carjack you. Yeah. It's really scary. And it just really is a good reminder, you know, to always stay alert and just, you know, keep your eye out for things that, you know, might not look right or, um, but it doesn't sound like that she had any warning to be able to do that, which is really terrifying. And she did everything right too. She, like her aunt saw her, she told her aunt where she was going, she was leaving, she called her mom. And that's when they knew something was up because she wasn't one to not do what she said she was going to do. Yeah. She called and said she was coming home. She did what she was supposed to do. And it's just a really unfortunate ending to this story. All right, besties. And that was the case of Samantha Burns. We want to hear your thoughts and opinions on this case, your theories, what you're thinking. We want to hear it all. You can find us in at our Instagram at true crime at lunchtime or send us an email at true crime at lunchtime podcast at gmail.com. And we have the longest uh, Gmail I think there is. I think possibly, but long email, short 30-minute episodes to enjoy on your lunch break. I think it's a fair trade. Love you, besties. Until next time, stay saucy, friends.